All right, welcome into another episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. Today, I will be doing something a little different. We will be talking about the Calgary Flames, everything to do with their offseason, the season coming up, and uh, what do we expect from some of their prospects this year. Today, I will have Khalid Kazavji joining me on the podcast, and uh, we will be cutting to that interview just uh, just now. So, uh, welcome into the podcast, Khalid. Uh, let's introduce yourself. Hey there. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, uh, I'm Khaled Kishakshi. I'm one of the writers at The Wind Column, uh, a Flames blog that's been running for the last seven or so years. Uh, we, uh, we pride ourselves on talking about all things Flames, and uh, the one area that I'm really passionate about is prospects, so I'm really happy to be here to talk specifically prospects. Oh yeah, I've got some, I've got some great questions lined up for you later, and I, I can't wait. So uh, let's get started a little bit with your background. Uh, how, did you, how did you become a hockey fan? Uh, how did you become a Flames fan? And uh, how, did you, how did you end up going to Queens? Good questions all the way around. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Calgary, born and raised here. I was never allowed to play hockey as a kid. It was just never never a thing that was ever going to be allowed. My parents were a little bit too concerned about concussion history and interfering with school, so that was a, a non-starter completely, despite the begging, pleading, and everything in between. Yeah, it was money um, for my family, so I get you there. Very, very, very fair. Um, I, so I, I grew up, I was about, my first real hockey memories were the 04 Cup run uh, that I oh. very distinctly remember waiting up extra late at night watching the the couple of overtime games the double overtime game and uh that was a heartbreaker I remember being a heartbroken nine-year-old at uh at the time that the flames ended up losing in uh in 04 in game seven that uh, awful 2-1 loss and what oh. should have been the goal that should have been allowed that was absolutely in and i'll stand by that as a uh as an as a much older than nine-year-old now uh but it's uh yeah, you know, that was my first memory, and I think ever since then, through the ups and more of the downs, uh, it's kind of been a part of who I am and, uh, and, and what I love, and, uh, you know, for better or for worse, this team is, uh, is what I'm stuck with, and uh, <laughs> try my best to let it not impact too much of how I feel day to day, but, uh, you know, when, when you're dealing with, uh, with hockey and sports and fandom, it is what it is. Oh yeah, and it's it's always hard to be like a, a diehard fan and to not waver. I've, I've been there with my favorite teams, like I'm a Habs fan, I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. I haven't had much to cheer about in the last 10 to 15 years, but I'm starting to see the other side now, and it's like, ah, the patience is paying off. So patience I, is a virtue. Oh, it is, especially in fandom. Big so, time. Yeah, so, and I think you know the nice thing about prospects, and I know we'll get to this in a bit, is it's all hope. It's all optimism. It's all you know upside potential, right? Like you, you very rarely, when you draft a prospect, are asking the question of who. More often than not, you're saying, oh my god, this guy could be a first-line center in the NHL. This guy could be a top-line player. This guy could be a top-pairing defenseman. This guy could be a top goalie. Is this the goalie of the future? And it's all hope. It's all optimism, which I think is so much fun. And, you know, probably better for all of our mental health than uh, than all the ups and the downs of the regular season. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, uh, I grew up in Calgary, and then I went out to, to Queens for university. Uh, and it was the first time in my life I wasn't surrounded by other Flames fans, where most of them were, uh, were from Toronto and uh, Toronto fans and Leafs fans, and uh, the ever-loving joy that comes from the Leafs in the playoffs. I uh, I have a lot of fond memories of uh, the Leafs falling apart uh, quite early in oh, the yeah. uh, midway through the first round, or not even making it into the playoffs. Don't we all? Um, I uh, I very much remember the year that uh, that they drafted Austin Matthews and the the tank that was on that year. Uh, and uh, and how excited that fandom was for for Austin Matthews and uh, you know it's it's so funny how many years it's taken for them to get out of the first round until this year and then uh, get absolutely uh, 
knocked down in the second and uh, all the laughs that come from whatever what could have been if they just got knocked out in the first round and it's 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 interesting like to think how fast your fortunes can change as, as an nhl franchise um speaking of the flames like they were looking like a potential you know stanley cup winning team or a potential you know deep playoff team for a consistent period of time losing kachuk losing you know losing your your star core players that's got to hurt um, do you see do you see a, a bounce back year for Calgary this year? Or do you see a, maybe a little bit of regression still? Or what do you what are you expecting this year for Calgary? You know, it's it's very easy to be down on the Flames. It's very easy to look at the Flames kind of as a top line view and say, no Johnny Gaudreau, no Sean Monahan, no Matthew Kachuk, no Mark Giordano. Right? Exactly. Like in, in the last four years, that was your core, right? Like that was that was your team. And I think last year was kind of a a year where the team, the management, the ownership were kind of playing by three different sets of rules and three different games. Uh, and and what I was watching when I was watching games night in and night out was the Flames felt nervous. They felt like they weren't playing. They weren't playing with confidence. They were playing with. They were playing not to make a play, but to not make a bad play. Uh, they were playing to avoid errors. And you know, in hockey, you're going to make an error. It's a it's a very very quick game. And every time they made an error, it felt like they were frustrated, and then they were down and out. Uh, and then one goal became two, became three, became four, and then that was the game. There was no coming back from there. And I think that was a, I think probably that was a coaching issue. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think you had the issue with the players, right? Like you look at the core of this team, and you see that defense core just to start with, and you're like, you've got guys who should be in the conversation for the Norris year in year out, right? Like you've got uh, Mackenzie Weger, you've got Rasmus Anderson, you've got Noah Hannafin got Chris Tanev, one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. And you say, how is a team with this strong of a top four losing games like this? Like, how has that happened? Uh, you had Jacob Markstrom, who was a Vesna Trophy finalist a couple of years back, right? He's, he's a perennial winner. He's a guy who should be in the in the conversation, like, you know, in the top 10 every single year and just had an awful season. You had Jonathan Huberto, who recorded the biggest season-to-season drop for a 100-point player ever. Yeah. Um, and, and you say, that shouldn't be happening. What's going wrong? Like, the player doesn't just fall off a cliff like that, right? Nazem Kadri didn't look like Nazem Kadri, couldn't, wasn't playing like Nazem Kadri. Michael Backlund, John, uh, Elias Lindholm just were not the guys they were the season before. And you can say for a guy like Backlund, like, you know, he's 34 now, at some point the regression was going to hit. But to drop off like he did, it just doesn't make sense just simply doesn't make sense yeah there was a lot of statistical but, regression but it was also the on ice product like just the eye test too suffered for a lot of flames players last year it wasn't just a oh like their statistical like the regression was obvious but it was there was more at play than just that and that's yeah, uh, so i think i think what what you looked at is they didn't look like they were having fun out there it doesn't look like they were they're being creative out there and they couldn't create the way they wanted to i don't think they, they just weren't a happy group of players and we don't talk enough about how much mental health and, and enjoyment of your workplace matters in terms of on-ice product. Uh, and I think, like, I think just watching the games, you just kind of saw they weren't they weren't enjoying themselves out there. They weren't they weren't being the players they were two seasons ago when Johnny Gaudreau uh, and Elias Lindholm and my happy Chuck formed one of the best lines in the league, right? Uh, and how good that line was. And Elias Lindholm was right at the center of all that creation, right? Like he just didn't have they just didn't look like they were having fun. So I think. I think Ryan Huska is the right guy. Uh, he's been with the team a long time. He coached the uh, the AHL franchise. Now he's coaching the NHL franchise. I think he knows the guys in the room. I think he wants to play a looser style with a defense first uh, mindset. But I think that you know what? 
I think what happens is over time you get a new coach, the culture changes, the chemistry changes, they form, you know, they get into that really excited kind of bump that you get when you get a new coach. And then you settle into a normal and then the regression happens because, you know, you, you hear the same message enough and then you tune it out. Yeah. Um, in every league, in every sport, all the time. So I think this is a good year to, to bang on the flames, a good year to bet on them them making a big take a big step forward. They've got some good young guys that should be uh, pushing for roster spots in uh, in Jacob Peltier and Matt Coronado. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really exciting year in Calgary. Now, uh, you brought up goalies earlier, and uh, there's a prospect that the Flames have had in the system for a few years now that has been making some waves, and um, his name is Dustin Wolf. What do you think is going to happen with Dustin Wolf this year? Is he finally going to make the jump? Are they going to give him some more time to, to prepare? What, what do you expect with, uh, with Wolf? I think this is, this is his year. I think after winning pretty well every award in the AHL for the last two years, after putting up the best numbers in the AHL among all real goalies, uh, playing the amount of minutes that he has, I think he's proven everything that he needs to prove in the AHL. I think it's really hard to go into a, into a year with three goalies, and the Flames look like they're walking right into that. And I, I understand the risk mitigation side of it. If Wolf can't perform at the NHL level and you trade away Vladar because you're, uh, because Markstrom's on it, no move, it's very hard to say... Yeah, good luck, Jacob Markstrom. You're you're playing seventy five or eighty games in a year, right? It's it's just not a situation that benefits anybody, and you don't have a backup then that you can rely on. You can't send uh, you can't send Vladar down to the A, and you know it's kind of hard to call up Wolf. I think what they'll do is they'll probably run the three for the first month, see how good Wolf is, and then move Vladar. Uh, if I was a betting man, but I know that the Flames haven't really given me much of a track record to say what they're going to do under Fred Conroy, given he's so new. Um, they could go either way. I think in a lot of ways. Um, it is it's Wolf's net to win. Uh, he needs to show that he's he can do it at the NHL level. Uh, but given the track record he has, I think he is an NHL goalie. I mean, you know, it's very rare to see a goalie absolutely dominate the AHL for the way that he has for two seasons and not make the jump to the NHL. Uh, he's one of the top goalie prospects in the in the world right now. And I think uh, I think it's I think this is the year that you finally start to see him making a name for himself at the NHL level. And is, uh, is Jacob Markstrom, is, are his days numbered in Calgary, or is, is he safe for a few years, you think? I, I think the hard part with Markstrom is his contract. Yeah. Um, no matter what way you cut it, he's he's here till 2026, right? He's on a full no-move. Um, he's not expressed any interest in going anyplace else, and uh, that contract of $6 bucks is going to be really hard to move, even if Markstrom wanted to move. If, um, if Wolf were to take command of the number one spot is there a world where you can see markstrom being willing to move the no move clause to say i'm i can get a starting job somewhere else you know trade me i mean yeah i, I mean you, you look at markstrom and he's uh he's 33 now right so i, I think the i think the way they, they developed that contract was to say first three years it's yours and then you kind of share the wolf with net with uh, share the net pardon me with wolf and then over time you slowly um slowly become the backup goalie. That's sort of the ideal progression for, for this contract. I'm sure this was discussed with Markstrom, uh, that he was not going to be a starting goalie at 36 or 37, yeah. right? Like, that was not the not the hope, right? That was not the way they wanted to run that. Um, so I think they knew, and he knew going into it, that in time he was going to become the backup, still get paid handsomely, and sail off into the sunset from there as kind of a backup goalie, uh, and then at 36 could kind of decide his future from there. Uh, I don't think he wants to move. Uh, the sense I get being a goalie that's been in uh, probably two teams, uh, Vancouver and Calgary, uh, for the last little while, he's a stable guy. He's not a he's not a guy that wants to be moving around with the family. Uh, right. That's my bet from purely an external an external sense. Um, I I'd be I'd be surprised if the flank moved him. 
put it that way. Yeah, and I think um, I know a lot of people in my fantasy league at least have targeted Wolf very heavily. He was just taken, I think, like 13th in our prospect league startup draft, which that that should tell you where he's valued amongst uh, prospects in the in the NHL landscape right now. So it's uh, Calgary's lucky to have a, a goalie of that caliber. In the, For sure, and I think he's I think he is hands down the Flames' best prospect. I think he's got the highest ceiling. I, I think he is a, a bona fide NHL starting goalie. Uh, but even if he is an NHL backup, worst case, like, I think that's your that's your that's your floor, right? He's a, he's a very good NHL backup. And I think that in and of itself to be able to draft out of the seventh round with the oh. third last pick in the draft is phenomenal. Phenomenal value. And um, speaking of uh, their top prospects, who would you maybe place behind Dustin Wolf in the organization? Like I think most people would know, you know, Matthew Coronado, Jacob Pelletier. Um, who else would you put in there and maybe say like, oh, these guys maybe aren't as well known, but they have a chance to break into that tier this year? So I think, yeah, that, that's a really good question. I think your top five rounds out uh, depending on how you do it, my, my top five would be to put Coronado as your number two because I think he's got a slightly higher ceiling than Peltier. I think your two three is pretty close between Coronado and Peltier. Uh, both, both of their probably top, probably middle six NHLers with, uh, with the top end being potentially top line players. Uh, more so Coronado than Peltier. Peltier is probably your really strong two way winger. Uh, probably slots in as a second line, third line guy. Um, and then you've got Samuel Honzek, who's the, the first round pick from this year. He's probably your number four. Um, simply because the, the floor is the floor is there, the ceiling is unknown just because he's so much younger. Uh, you have a lot more certainty with Coronado and with, with Pelti at this point. I, I would put uh, I'd put Honzek as your number four right now. And then for me, I know a lot of guys will put will put Zeri as five. I would go so far as to put uh, Jeremy Poirier as your number five. Interesting. Jeremy Poirier is a highly offensive defenseman. Uh, who they drafted out of the queue out of St. John. Um, and when he was drafted, they picked him up in the third round simply because there were so many unknowns about his defensive game. And coming out of the queue, the queue is not prized for developing defensemen with defensive games at all. Um, and Poirier was hyper, hyper offensive. And what we've seen over the last three years is his ability to play defense has grown substantially. He will always be an offense first guy. He'll always be the guy who wants to take the shot, make the play. He's got incredible hands, really good skating, got a great shot, and he's put that on display in the AHL. Uh, last summer, you saw him as the best player at the Penticton tournament, saw him as the best player at the development camp scrimmage, saw him as the best player in uh, in training camp. The last cut, the last rookie player that was cut uh, that had never played an NHL game, he was the last one uh, among their forwards. And that's a huge testament that he was cut, he was cut after Matthew Phillips when he was a flame. Uh, Jake, uh, Jeremy Port, uh, Jacob Peltier, uh, Matt Coronado obviously was a college player, so a different story. Uh, but having stuck around as long as he did, he's shown that he is a guy who's a player. I think the thing is that you've seen with Poirier and why I put him so high is you've seen that progression being very, very steady across the board. He was already a very strong offensive player, but you saw his defensive game continue to grow and not at the expense of his offensive game. He still took the shots, he still played, played well. But he was also tracking back. He was also making plays to to break up uh, break up plays in the middle in the the neutral zone. He was also making hits. He was playing down low. Uh, he was stopping rushes at the blue line. Like he was doing all the things you want to see out of an out of an NHL caliber defenseman. I think he's got a really really high ceiling as well. And I think he's a player. I, I'm I'm com- I'm convinced that he is a player. I'm not as sold on Zeri the same way. I, I think he's a player. Uh, but Zeri has had a, a really interesting development pathway 
first round pick uh, taken out of uh, out of Kamloops out of Blazers system, um, and really, really, really good in junior. Uh, came to the AHL, um, lit it up in the year that the that the pandemic was going on. Had a ton of points. Went back to junior, got himself injured uh, in a nasty hit, uh, and was out for the rest of the year. Uh, came to the AHL for what should have been a really, really big year. They uh, broke his leg right before training camp. Um, was out for the first three, four months. And then when he got in, they put him in center, and playing center at the AHL level is a huge jump. And it was just an awful start to the year. Just awful, awful, awful start. And then you saw him get better slowly, and they really worked at it with him to play, uh, to play, become an, an, like an AHL level center. And he's grown from there. He's taken huge strides forward, strides forward. And like I think, I think going into this year, he's got a lot to prove. Uh, I think he's still got another year uh, before he becomes an NHLer, but I think broadly he's got a ton of potential. But I think that he probably tops line top, tops out. Pardon me, as a middle six, bottom six center, um, but not much more than that, which is really hard out of a out of a first round pick. Uh, but the fact that they got a player out of him, and I think they do have a player out of him, is really really cool. Uh, if he if he does any better than that, that's a huge win, right? If he becomes a second line guy, that's enormous. Uh, but I think that realistically, you're probably looking at a third line guy, uh, a third line center. Uh, but even still, that's that's still really really good value. All right, so um, those those cover the the probably the bigger name Calgary Flames prospects. I, I personally, I have a few on my, my team that I really, really like. I've got uh, Arseny Sergeyev. He's the uh, the goalie in Connecticut right now that uh, I believe the Flames took in the sixth round or the seventh round. I might be. Seventh round. Seventh round, that's correct. Um, he was the USHL goalie of the year two years ago. Um, he, he is primed to get the starting role for Connecticut this year, so definitely keep an eye out for him. Uh, is there anyone else that you would say that like is quite under the radar in the Flames system that you've been keeping an eye on? I love that you... Uh, you pointed out Sergeyev because he's one of those uh, one of those goalies that I really like. Take out of the seventh round out of the NAHL uh, and then played in the uh, USHL for Tri City, which was a phenomenal program. Um, the thing I like about Sergeyev in particular is a fiery guy. Uh, he'd go from I think he was suspended twice in his USHL season for, he was. for just like being like like very very fiery and getting up and when when things went uh, went the other way, he wasn't afraid to tell you how he felt about it. Uh, for better or for worse, uh, but you know it's it's very rare that you see a goalie claim uh, claim the net as well as he did at UConn last year as a rookie. Uh, I think he's primed to be the starter there, which is huge. I think the other prospect that doesn't get enough love on our list or on, on most people's list is Parker Bell. Yeah, uh, I was in WHL with Tri City last year. Going to be back there again this year. Put up uh, very very similar numbers to Lucas Siona, and Lucas Siona earned himself an ELC. Um, he's a year younger. He put up some really good numbers. And I think I think he's primed to be a very good AHLer, if not an NHLer down the line. It's a little hard to tell with WHL guys and, and junior guys as to what the ceiling is, especially guys that were drafted later on. Um, Bell was a fifth rounder, if I remember correctly, uh, a couple of years back. Uh, but really, really, really good player, good all around player. And um, even after he suffered a really nasty looking hit uh, midway through last year, he uh, he came back and was was quite good for. For Tri City's side, that was really not very good, uh, aside from Lucas Dragicevic and Bell, uh, compared to the rest of the WHL. So it, it's great. I think he's got a good year ahead of him. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I watched a lot of Lucas Dragicevic last year just because he was at one point being talked about as one of the best or offensive defensemen in the class, 
and uh, I couldn't keep my eyes off of Parker Bell for a lot of a lot of the games. It was also because Dragachevic had a lot of he had a lot of issues defensively that were quite glaring, so it made me start looking other you know in other directions. And uh, Parker Bell just continuously kept catching my eye, and I was like, oh, he's he's a player for sure. And uh, it's yeah, always an nice. And it's always nice when you're like when you see a player and you're like, oh, I like this player, and then you look them up and it's like, oh, they were taken in the sixth or seventh round. And it's like, that's a guy I'm going to go pick up in my league because especially if you're in a 32-team league and it's, you know, expanded rosters or 23-man rosters or whatever, like you're you're going to be looking for late-round picks because that's all that's really left. For sure, for sure. I think with the Flames, they've got, they've got a lot of guys who have potential. Uh, they're not going to be, they're not going to be talked about very much at this point, but a lot of guys who, who could go either way. Um, we, we always talk about you know the big names, the Coronados and the Wolves and all that. Uh, but I think you hear a lot you know, they're talking a little bit more about guys like Bell who have potential to be players. Uh, guys like Walker Dewar signed out of the uh, at the NCAA who became a player and he's like looks like an NHLer, um, undrafted. Spe- speaking uh, of Walker, prospect. do you think he uh, do you think he makes the jump full time this year for the for the Flames? I think he does. Uh, the thing that I like about him is his compete level is really high. He plays the game the right way. Uh, insofar as he's not afraid to get into the corners, he's not afraid to to play uh, like a physical game. He's a very good fourth line player, uh, and that's what a lot of teams need. I think the Flames struggled with uh, Milan Lucic and Trevor Lewis, and they're on their bottom line as staples there. But when they had Walker Dewar, he provided that element, kind of like Garnet Hathaway did for for the Flames back when, and like he does for uh, uh, for Boston and has done for for Washington in the past. Um, you, you get that energy guy who is who's a bit of a, a, a pardon me I'm, I'm missing my words here uh, he's a bit of a, a bit of a cannonball in the offensive zone he, he throws his weight around but he's not defensively a liability and I think that's a huge point to make where you put Walker Dewar out there against most lines in the NHL he'll hold his own uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna be the guy that puts up 30 40 goals a year that's not what his job is but he's defensively responsible uh, is a disruptor, drives play up uh, to the offensive zone, and sets things up really well for other guys. Uh, and I think you can't like there's a there's a guy there's a role for a guy like him on the flame on the flames uh, fourth line for sure. Now I have uh, I have one question that I'm definitely uh, I've been I've been saving here, and uh, I used to have Noah Hannafin. I, I ended up dealing him in the during the off season. But uh, do you think he gets dealt this year? Do you think he signs an extension? What do you think uh, happens with Noah Hannafin? I think it's. I think the challenge with the Flames right now is you don't have a track record for Craig Conroy to know the way that he's leaning one way or the other. Uh, when you had Trelleving in, in place for almost a decade, you had an idea of how he operated this system, right? Like there were there were certain defined ways that he liked to do things. With Craig Conroy, you just don't have that as of yet to being a rookie GM. So it's really hard to know either way. If I'm the Flames, I'm looking at this to say Hannafin is a heck of a player. Uh, he's a he is in my mind a top pairing offensive defenseman in the NHL. Uh, he has the skill set to do that. Uh, he's not your power play guy, but he's a very very good uh, two way defenseman with an offensive lilt. I think that's that's a that's a skill set that earns a lot of money in the NHL. I'm not giving him away for cheap. If the offer isn't there, I think the Flames, if they think that they are going to regress back to the mean this year and not be as bad as they were last year. I think they take the gamble and see what happens early in the season. There's half a chance he has a change of heart and says, uh, if Lindholm stays and Backlund stays, I'm staying too. Um, but if he says, look, I've definitively 
wanting to head out to the, to the States again. I want to go back home. Uh, and that's sort of where, where my heart is at this point in my career. And I have the ability to choose that as a UFA. I'd like to do that. I think the Flames know from past experience they can't afford to let UFAs walk uh, just right out the door like they have in the past. And that one really, really hits close to home for many Flames fans. And I think for Flames management and ownership, they know that, that pain really, really well. I would be surprised if they if they lose him for nothing. Uh, I would be equally surprised if they give him away for cheap. I think they're they're of the opinion that if they don't lose him, if they give him away, they're gonna they're gonna make sure the value is there, uh, and there will be a market for him definitively at the trade deadline if they don't do that before the beginning of the season. So, I'm trying to think, if you were to grade Craig Conroy's performance as GM so far how would you how would you feel about it and uh where do you think how do you what kind of GM do you think he's going to be I think you look at it in a couple of different ways it's it's probably hard to rank Craig Conroy now because they haven't done a whole lot uh as an organization um and beyond that they also you know he's been around the organization a long time and they drafted this year based on the system that they had going into uh, uh, going in from uh, Brad Trilling. I think it's a little bit premature to judge Conroy on that. Uh, you know, you look at you look at what he hasn't done more than what he has uh, to say he hasn't given anyone away for free. He hasn't made rookie mistakes. He has signed reasonably well, um, and I think he uh, you know Sharon Govich is the one move that's been made by the Flames this summer. And I think that was a that was a reasonably good move, right? He knew that Tyler Toffoli wasn't sticking around. Uh, he asked for a trade out, and I think getting Sharon Govich back was a really really good pick. Um, I think it's hard to assess him on much. I think everything that I've seen of him has been fine, not outstanding, not terrible. Uh, but you have a really 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 small sample to draw from. I think by February March post trade deadline, you'll have a much better idea of what you're dealing with. Uh, but it's hard to assess a rookie GM without having a track record as of yet. Uh, I know that a lot of Flames fans have looked at uh, looked at Conroy and said, you know, poke him with a with a stick and say move. But you know, I think it's better to stand pat and make the right decision than to make a hasty decision and lose a player for less than you probably should. And uh, you mentioned that uh, Conroy came in and he kind of drafted under the, the strategy somewhat of what they already had with True Living. Um, looking at the, the draft class from this year, I actually, I, I love their first round pick. I was a big Samuel Hanzek fan. I think his, I think his ceiling's a bit higher than people give it credit for um, or give him credit for. Um, his, his neutral zone defensive play was something that really stood out to me. His, He's not the kind of player right now that's comfortable carrying the puck through the neutral zone. That's not his game. He's not going to go coast to coast. But if you give him the puck on his stick and he's in a and he's in a tight space and he's got a he's got a deep three guys, he can do it. So you know the puck skills are there. I just wonder like is the rest of his game going to catch up? That being said, I I wasn't big on their second round pick. I actually didn't even have Etn Moran in my top hundred. Um, that might look I, I might look bad on like bad for that in a few years because he has some real high-end offensive skills but uh, the defensive play just really concerns me with Moran I, I can see why you want to just shoot big but um, I think there were some better defenders in this class Suniev I liked big body Lipinski another big body 
There's a goalie that they picked up in the sixth round who I actually really like, and his statistical profile, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting moving forward. If he, if he keeps progressing, uh, Jaeger Jaegerov, he's got some uh, shades of Ilya Sorokin. So there's the Flames goaltending, whoever they have in, in charge of scouting clearly knows what they're doing. What do you, how, do you, how do you feel about the draft class in, 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 uh, in totality? You know, I think I think after last year when they didn't really have a whole lot in the uh, they had three picks, right? They had yeah. um, they had uh, Toby Roney and uh, Parker Bell as their as their first two. Uh, you know, I think they did a lot better on the aggregate when you have more picks. Uh, I think Samuel Hansek's a heck of a player. I think he he projects really high. I I really like him. I think if you can get his skating up a little bit more, you've got a really really good player in there. I think he's probably a middle six guy, but you know what? If you get a middle six guy, you get a second line guy out of out of the late first round. That's that's not bad for me. You're out of sixteen. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. If they get a first line guy out of Samuel Hansek, man, they luck. I, I think that the the upside potential there is really high. I I go a little bit different on Moore. I you know I have a soft spot for offensive defensemen because the Flames have shown me that they can they can teach them defense and like that's more than just Poirier. It's also guys like Noah Hannafin who's you know, when he came into Calgary, did not look like a guy who by defense and has really developed that skill set. I think that's really, really cool. Um, I, I'm a little bit warmer on him than I think I think you are. Um, I, I also just have a soft spot for Q defensemen with the way the Flames have drafted in the past with uh, Jan Kuznetsov playing out of the queue, uh, Jeremy Poirier playing out of the queue. Um, I think they've, they've had some good luck out of there. Um, and I, I like guys who have offensive upside. For a Flames team that's always been very, very balanced, uh, having a defenseman with upside is, is really, really cool. Uh, Sumi of Lipinski, similar sorts of thoughts, right? Like, they're, they're bigger guys, uh, good bodies. Uh, Sumi is, is interesting for me because he came out of Penticton where he's playing alongside both the Nando brothers uh, and two outstanding players, and he was the, the third guy on the line. To me, he's, he gives me shades of Glenn Gordon coming out of junior playing with two okay. really, really good players. Uh, not sure what you have in him until he plays someplace else. Um, and, you know, going to UMass this year, you'll, you'll have a much better idea of what you what you have in him after that. Um, I think uh, I think Yegor Yegorov is a great name. I, I think the Flames, uh, Jordan Segalich and company have been really good at drafting goalies of late. Uh, I'm really curious to see what they, what they see in him. The one player you haven't mentioned is Axel Herdick uh, out of Sweden. True. Played some really good minutes for uh, for Roglay and also played for for Sweden at the U18s. Um, rights owned by the Hitman this year, uh, taken out of the import draft, and they have a spot available for him. Oh. I would be curious. I know he has had some off-season shoulder in, uh, shoulder injury and some surgery going on, uh, so he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. But if they can bring him out here to work with their guys on the ground in the in Calgary with the Hitman with the Flames uh, being part of the same umbrella organization. Uh, they may be able to make him better and make him into a into a player. They've had some sneaky good luck in the seventh round, from Ilya Solovyov to Dustin Wolf to uh, Sergeyev, and now to uh, to Herdig. I think they've got some really good guys. The the other seventh round pick that we haven't talked about is Kate Littler, uh, who also put up some really 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 good numbers in the BCHL, um, and it's taken a year between uh, before he goes to the NCAA to play at the USHL in uh, Cedar Rapids. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how he does outside of the BCHL. My prevailing opinion on guys playing out of the BCHL is it's the BCHL. Let's be careful. 
but you know what? If they can get some, if they get some production out of him, they've got uh, they may have a player in him. Yeah, I'm interested to see what Suniev can do at UMass. I think uh, he's going to be one of those players that kind of like Lane Hudson within a very, very like very, very quick amount of time, you'll know what you have somewhat because the, you know the translation from the BCHL to uh, to the NCAA will be. I think his skating was really what just concerned most scouts. They just said, you know, he's got a he's got a heavy shot. He's a he's a heavy kid. He can just he can throw his body around. Can he keep up with faster pace of play? And can he play like this when he doesn't have the Nadeau brothers? So I'm I'm fascinated to see what he uh, what he looks like in the NCAA this year for sure. Yeah, I think the uh, UMass is an interesting program. They they do really really good work. Um, they, uh, the Flames had a prospect there, Josh Nodler, uh, last year, and that one obviously did not work out particularly well, but I think that's more of a Josh Nodler problem than a, a UMass problem. Um, but I think that, you know, if, uh, if Sumiev can show himself to be, to be a player who's willing to put in the work, uh, the potential is there, the skill set is there. Awesome. So uh, if, uh, if you had to predict the Flames season for this year, if you had to say, like, do you think they make the playoffs? Do you think they just miss? Where do you think the Flames are, are going for this year? I think you've got a couple of X factors in there that you need to, you need to solve for first, right? Like, you've got seven players that they still have to sign, uh, and they're they're not small players, right, yeah. that, are, that are going to be UFAs next year. Uh, and that's that's going to be your big X factor is what happens with those guys, right? And I think particularly with Lindholm and with Hamilton, those are your big question marks. Um, if the Flames go into the season with both of those guys and they sign both of those guys and they sign, you know, they sign six or seven or five or seven going into the season and roll the dice at the end of the year, I think they're a playoff team. I think the Flames are probably a playoff team. Now, they're not the flashiest playoff team in the world. They're not going to be, you know, they're not going to have the star power that Toronto has. They're not going to have the young gun uh, superstars like Montreal has right now. Uh, they don't have the bona fide talent of an Elias Patterson to just pull your whole team forward. But what they do have is a lot of really, really underrated good players in their system. Uh, I think Gordon Holmes is underrated by the league. I think Anderson is underrated by the league. I think Weaker is heavily underrated in the league. I think Markstrom is a very good goalie who had a very bad year last year. If those guys can regress towards what they are normally, the Flames are a playoff team. Now, if the Flames decide that they want to punt and go for futures with Lindholm and Hannafin and say there's no shot of us re-signing either of them and we don't like the numbers we're looking at, then, of course, it's a different movie. Then it becomes a, the Flames aren't a playoff team and they shouldn't be. Now they're in rebuild mode. I don't think they're going to go that way. Although if I were a betting, if I were the owner of the Flames, I would say tank now for the next couple of years and be really good when the arena opens, hopefully in 2026, 2027. Uh, but I'm not the owner of the Flames, and I know that the Flames really like hitting the playoffs every year or just missing. That's always been their target, their, the way that they operate. Uh, but if I were if I were a, a thinking man, I would do that. So um, would you would you say the, the Kadri contract, the Uyghur contract, and the Huberto contract, would those three... Because they all have significant term, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Do those three make it relatively hard to go into a rebuild because you know they're not you're not talking about 26 year old players anymore you're talking about guys that are going into their 30s they've still got significant term that's that's a tough contract to 
it's going to be hard to trade that and get great value back is I guess what I'm what I'm looking at and do you think it makes more sense to just kind of slow play it and see what you can build around this core and then when there's four years left five years left say okay maybe now we'll try to move these guys do you think that's more the realistic option or are they stuck with it or you know it's a good question the it's hard to look like I think last year would have been the year to look at rebuilding I think now you're a little bit you're definitely in a little bit deeper it makes it a little harder yeah uh, I think you look at what Dallas did with Ben and Sagan's huge contracts uh, and try and do something similar build out of the draft uh, take out that mid-level uh, the guys who are on three to seven million dollar contracts that are movable uh, take out that mid-level and uh, and start building from the ground up uh, around those two or three big contracts uh, so the, for the Flames you've got Markstrom you've got Huberto you've got Kadri you've got Weaker the big four and those are all really good players still. Like it's as much as the the value of the contracts might hurt. They're all they're all still great players that can contribute to very good winning teams. Like Kadri was a was a vital piece to the Avalanche. Huberto was a vital piece to the to the Panthers before he left. Um, it's they've all proven they can be great. Yeah, it's just um, it's just the value nowadays is it's what's going to is what's going to hurt. With the cap going up potentially, though, I think there is some some wiggle room that could be afforded to the to the Flames in the future. So, all might sure. not be lost. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's uh, I don't think the Flames are a lost case. I think that they just need to pick a direction and stick to it. Right? Like, if the direction is we're going to keep going all in every year, so be it. Then go all in every year. If the direction is we're gonna we're gonna punt and rebuild, then punt and rebuild. You can't have it both. The Flames are, are really good at trying to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, I think that what really good organizations do is they pick a direction and they stick with it. And they go through the rebuild and they do it well and they do it right. The Flames got into that, that trouble in, uh, in their last rebuild where they thought they were much better than they were in 2014-15, made the playoffs, won a, couple, won a round, got in the second round, got demolished by Anaheim, and then said, oh, rebuild is over, we're a playoff team now. And I think that was a little bit premature, and I think that you're starting to see the, you've definitely felt the pain of that. But I think broadly, the Flames need to pick a direction. And right now, they have an opportunity to either go all in or not. Uh, and like if you if you do build around Huberto, Kadri, Weger, Anderson as your, as your, your kind of your spine, and then put in a bunch of young guys and, you know, tell Huberto, like, your job is to make Jacob Peltier a, a top six winger in the league. Hey, Kadri, you're going to work with Coronado and make him into an elite player. These are the guys that you're going to have to grow. Uh, bring in the complementary pieces. Stay below the stay. Uh, you know, don't build all the way up to the cap, but keep but grow your young players. Really spend the time to grow them out effectively and develop a really strong young core. And I think the Flames have those pieces to do that. Right? You've got Dustin Wolf in net. You've got Hansik, uh, Coronado, Peltier. Poirier uh, and, and Zary in there, plus the capacity to, to draft really well next year. Uh, if this becomes a, we're not making the playoffs, we're gonna we're gonna try and be a not great team and try and get a top ten pick next year. That could be a really really good opportunity for the Flames to develop down the line. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's uh, there's there's definitely decisions to be made in the very very near future, and uh, I, I think I'll I think I'll definitely try to get you on sometime in the season to talk about the Flames when the when the news does break because it's it's coming soon I think so very happy to do so anytime and uh, just before I before I let you go here I got one more question for you 
if there's one player on the Flames that you think could have a sneaky good year for fantasy, maybe not like one of the big names. It could be a big name, but if you if you think there's like one player that pe- people are sleeping on on the Flames, who would it be? I think Xander Van Um, You know, I think what you saw in Nantes was a a really, really good year two years ago uh, across the board, right? Across multiple categories. He was throwing hits, he was taking shots, he was scoring goals, which I know is something that just you don't get enough of in this league. Um, and last year, he just wasn't that guy. Be it injuries, be it whatever it was, he just wasn't the guy that he was two years back. I think he's a guy who's due for a bounce back. 27, he's, uh, he's got a heck of a shot. He's a really, really strong two-way player. Uh, I think he's, he's a guy that I would target to say he's probably better than you think he is, and he's going to provide you value for fantasy. But in a way, like uh, Chris Tannen's a really, really good defenseman, but he won't provide you the same level of, of value in those fantasy leagues. I think then uh, Manch will give you a lot more value. Uh, than he did last year. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's that's definitely a great answer, and uh, I just want to thank you for coming on today. This has been this has actually been pretty amazing. There's, you you dropped some nuggets that uh, I think the guys in my league are really going to appreciate. Uh, the seventh round pick of the Flames that's uh, potentially going to I think you said Red Deer. Um, uh, Calgary. Uh, that Calgary Hitman. Uh, that's right. Yeah, Axel Hurtig. Axel Hurtig. Yeah. So um, in my league, we score the prospects and the and the NHL players. So. Uh, anytime you have a drafted player that comes from Europe and comes to the CHL, people are like, "Yeah, they're they're jumping on them." So I know uh, I know they're they're going to appreciate that little nugget. So for sure, awesome. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right. Well, you have yourself a great day, and we'll, uh, well, I hope to have you on again soon. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks so much. You're very welcome.